Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2020, Children's Urban Fantasy, one chapter a day up until Christmas. Chapter 8, Angry King. They walked together up to the hill fort. From school, it was uphill all the way for about a mile. Jenny spent most of the time filling James in with what she had learned from the inspector. Cece stayed in the bag, her head poking out in a fashionable bag-doggy way. He said that the circus is going to start inviting children from every school in Brighton. Groups of fifty, until every child aged nine and over has watched a performance. He thinks that the ringmaster will start with our school to see if anyone else at the school has interacted with magic. He told you that. He didn't try to trick you into giving things away or anything. James looked a little sore. I think he was testing you, she said kindly. He'd already given me the information. He must have wanted to see how you'd react. I'd rather he'd just told me the interesting bits. Did he tell you about Twitchells? James asked. He mentioned something about helping us deal with any magical trauma. I told him I felt fine. Did you show him Cece? No, Jenny shook her head. But I got the idea that he knew she was in there. He must have been surprised that you took the bag back in. She escaped in science. What? Did Mr. Q see her? No, he was too busy shouting at me. But it was a close thing. What did the inspector have to say about a circus with real monkeys in it? They're breaking the law, surely. He said that if we got the police involved, the ringmaster would just pack up and leave the country. Then we'd never find out what she's up to. And we'd never see Elf, the Falcon, or the Empress again. I think he's right. We can't let them disappear. I don't want to go near that woman again, James said, but it'll mean we might get to see Elf, and I want to get the keys back. Did he say anything about Elf to you? Nothing, and I didn't say anything about her. I don't think he knows, or if he does, he didn't want to talk about it. We'll work out how to deal with Elf when we see her. She's with Gralf, and Rask must be there too, so she'll be safe. Hopefully we'll rescue the animals at the same time. I'm not sure I like the inspector, James said. He seemed to enjoy playing mind games with me, and I accidentally let your name slip. I should have been more careful. There's no harm done. I really think the inspector's on our side. He knows almost everything about what's going on. He even thought going to see the king under the fort was a good idea. You told him about that. He mentioned the hill fort and the old badger, said that he might know some useful information, and that if we went straight from school, he'd make sure that we weren't being followed. They crossed Ditchling Road and started across the golf course. The grassy bank, all that was left of the Iron Age fort, loomed ahead of them, circling for 600 metres around the top of the hill. The wind picked up, blowing grey clouds across the sky and dark strands of hair across Jenny's face. She tucked them back under her woolly hat. Even though it was not yet four o'clock, the day's light had already solidified into a cold grey gloomy dusk. Tramping over the damp grass of the seventh hole, Jenny zipped up her coat to stop it from flapping around her legs. The path onto the hill fort's bank was a mixture of mud and hard chalk. Twice Jenny slipped as she led the way, but she didn't fall. You think we'll have to use the badger stones in the wristbands? James asked as they approached the trig points. It was a squat concrete post that marked the highest point on the hill and concealed a secret entrance to the king under the fort's ancestral hall. I guess so. 
Jenny pulled her coat sleeve back to reveal the wristband with the badger stone. I think we'll have to touch it to the... She stopped dead. For dead is what she could have been if she'd taken another step. On top of the trig point was a squirrel. A squirrel with no tail and a bow that could fire arrows tipped with deadly poison. And at that moment, the squirrel had an arrow aimed directly at Jenny's head. Hold on, no tail, James said shakily. We're friends, remember? We're only here to see the king under the fort. The squirrel assassin didn't move. Its face held stern and determined. Do not move or you're dead. A gruff voice came from Jenny's right, from within a huge gorse bush. It was the king under the fort. Do not try to look at me or give away my position. I know what you two have been up to. I'm a bristle's width from having you executed here and now. We haven't done anything, Jenny pleaded, her eyes fixed on the squirrel's arrow. The ringmaster followed us and kidnapped the animals. We had nothing to do with it. Come off it, the badger said, stifling a roar. I know you two. You're not idiots. Far from it. So you knew you were being followed, did you? And what did you do next? Visit your old friend on the hill. That's what you did. I know what it looks like, but we're not being followed now, she pleaded. We came directly from school. We just wanted to help, James said. There's no way we would deliberately cause you harm, or any other animal. It might be a costly move for you. If anyone tries to take me, you'll die first, and then they will. We're sorry we came, Jenny said. We're trying to make it up. We want to rescue the Falcon and the Empress, that's all. If you show yourself to any animal in Brighton, they'll either fight you or run away. I've made sure of that. You best... There was a shuffling noise, then a scraping of branches, then a ha! And then the fluttering sound of birds taking to the air above them. Jenny wanted to look round, but the squirrel's bow held her attention. Bring one down! The badger roared. Notel swung the tiny bow upwards and loosed a poison arrow. Before Jenny could blink, the bow was trained back on her again. There was a dull thud from the path nearby, then a scuttling of feet that were definitely not the badger's. All clear! a voice proclaimed, a rough voice with a Scottish accent. At ease, the king said, his voice calmer now. Notel put the bow and arrow away and hopped onto Jenny's shoulder, rubbing her ear gently. She turned and saw the great form of the king under the fort come forth from the gorse, while Zen and Bobby, two rat mercenaries, stood waiting on the path next to the feathery corpse of a freshly felled pigeon. Sorry about the theatrics, the huge badger said, and we don't have much time. It used a massive claw to pick up the dead pigeon. Thought so, one of King Pigeon's minions. They've been spying for the ringmaster. I wondered why the Empress was so quick to help us out. This explains it. There were pigeons nearby when I met the Empress, Jenny said. And when I summoned the Falcon, James said. Damn lost that bird. The badger shook its head. Was doing a remarkable job of spotting those interminable monkeys. Monkeys roaming Brighton. Who'd have thought it? I hate to have to tell you, James said meekly, but the ringmaster has the bones of Kerberos. Well, she has the Squidakan key, the Triple M key, and the Badger Stone. But only half of the key to the air. I still have the feather. That's too bad for us. Those keys are powerful, but I don't think the Ringmaster will use them. She's more of a collector, or so I've heard. If we could get hold of the key to the air, that would be something. 
especially as we're going to have to deal with these blasted pigeons at some point. Now, listen to me, everybody. The two children, two rats, and the no-tail squirrel assassin leaned in close to the grey-and-white-furred Goliath. I meant some of what I said earlier. We can't let on to the ringmaster that we're working together. The animals of Brighton have been warned not to go near you two, lest they be captured and deported. And worse, we need to act quick. I've no idea whether the Empress and the Falcon are still in Brighton, but if they are, they're being held somewhere. We need to find out where, and I have a good idea who to squeeze. The badger sniffed the air. What the devil is in that bag? Everyone looked at James, and he reluctantly unzipped the duffel bag. Cece poked her head out, took one look at the king under the fort, and ducked back inside with a whimper. You caught one of them, the king roared. Give it to me. I'll squeeze the information out of it. No, Jenny said. Cece ran away. I think she was mistreated. She's not like the others. Well, I'd be careful with her if I were you. The badger narrowed its coal-black eyes. But on with business. If the pigeons are spying, then I bet they know where the prisoners are being held. We need to get them to open their beaks. We should find King Pigeon, Jenny asked. That fat bird is too well guarded. You'll never get to it. But the fool of a king has a trusted adviser, a bird of the cloth and a coward, called the bishop. This one's part of his flock. The king held up the dead pigeon. The bishop lives in the belfry of that huge brick monstrosity in town. St. Bart's, Jenny asked. The tall church near London Road. Yes. Get up there and take no tail with you. The assassin and these two mercenaries are all the help you've got. No other animal is brave or stupid enough to risk getting kidnapped. Now, that's all we've got time for. Scram before any damnable flying spybirds come back. With that, the badger turned and waded back into the gorse, the dead bird still in its mighty claw. What now? Jenny asked. I've got mass tuition, James said and I want to see if I can find anything out about this Twitchell school online, and maybe mention it to my mum. We were going to get some dinner, Zen said, but if you're paying, we're staying. If there's a chance that we can rescue the Falcon and the Empress, then we need to act fast. Jenny considered their options. I think we should meet at St. Bart's tonight. I should be able to sneak out around ten, James said. I can't remember the last time my parents checked on me after 9.30. Okay. If I get Annabelle to cover for me, I can be out at ten too. Jenny turned to the rats. So we'll all meet outside St. Bart's at 10.30. Zen, can you and Bobby put the feelers out for any more mercenaries that might want to earn some money? Not for tonight, but I have a feeling that we might need some reinforcements if we have to battle the ringmaster. The animals nodded and scuttled off down a path between gorse bushes. No-tail stayed on Jenny's shoulder as she and James walked back to the main road. It was comforting having the deadly assassin look out for them, especially after being forced to look down the wrong end of one of No-Tail's poison arrows. The king's comment about the key to the air got James thinking. He went back over what the peregrine falcon had told him about a book that could help them understand how the key worked. In the summer, Jenny had found the special map at the Quaker Meeting House, but thought that it had been kept for decades in the storeroom of a restaurant opposite the dome. If the book was linked to the map, then it could still be in the storeroom, which gave them another place to check out. It wasn't hard to persuade her older sister to cover for her. In fact, Annabel even offered to come and collect James and Jenny in the car afterwards. 
She had helped out with their last adventure, and since she was back at home after not quite finishing university, she had a lot of free time in between job hunting and lying in bed. At 9.45, she heard Annabelle persuading their middle sister and both parents to watch something on the TV. Moments later, the theme tune to a favourite baking programme started, and Jenny knew she was safe to sneak out. Her rucksack was packed already, filled with possibly useful items, including a pair of strangely warm and unusually hydrophobic woollen gloves. The night air was cold and crisp and dry. So she pulled on the gloves and set off to meet James at the bottom of his road.